Hey everyone, welcome to episode 134 of the In Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me, as always, is Andrew Brown. Grow boo for life! <laughs> and Tori Wassana. Wow, spoilers. <laughs> uh, and this week, uh, probably a shorter episode, but we're going to talk, talk about some of the uh, the news doing the rounds in relation to Nintendo. Uh, we're going to talk more about Age of Calamity. Uh, Andrew obviously didn't get his copy last week, so he's, he's playing catch-up, so we'll talk about that. Uh, and he's going to talk a little bit about Pillars of Eternity. Uh, so with that, let's get on with the Lady Switch news. Okay, first up, uh, Square Enix uh, revealed a sequel to The World Ends With You called Neo. In, sorry, I should yell that because it's in block caps. Uh, Neo, the world ends with you. That that exists. Uh, I have bounced off the original twice. Uh, I've tried both times on, on the DS version. I was tempted to pick up the Switch version when it came out, but decided against it. Tori, I would have thought you would have been into this because it's got that sort of jet set radio uh, yeah. kind of vibe, but I believe you bounced off it as well. It's really just a gameplay thing. Uh, I want to try again on the light to see if the touchscreen sort of works better for me in that. But yeah, I've also bounced off it twice. <laughs> and Andrew, have you tried this one at all? No. And like knowing how the original game worked, where like one screen you played with the D-pad and the other screen you played with the touchscreen, I'm not really clear how... Uh, how a switch port of this game would work in the first place <laughs> so <laughs> yeah uh, no interest released to some jubilation from people that liked it uh, i know there are quite a few fans out there so good news for you um yeah uh and the other news i just added short notice because i just thought it was funny are americans and australians aware of who yuri geller is no. Rings a bell. wasn't he the first man in space <laughs> no <laughs> He is a psychic, famous for bending spoons with his mind that totally weren't just uh, kind of pre-bent beforehand. Yeah. Um, oh, so he he so was the little kid in the Matrix who told Neo, "There is no spoon." <laughs> just on the subject of Neo. Uh, yeah, actually, that works. Yeah. Um, wow. Actually, yeah, that's a good link because now it's, it's like a Illuminati conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, anyway. So Yuri Geller, he's a psychic man, uh, allegedly, who, who bends spoons for a living and claims to influence the results of football matches, so he should should get sued for that. Isn't that the plot of the cat from outer space? Yeah. <laughs> he, now he, streaming uh, on Disney Plus with Grobu. <laughs> so apparently many years ago he uh, started a lawsuit against Nintendo for uh, Kadabra. Oh. In Pokemon, who holds spoons. So, uh, since he did that, they uh, weren't allowed to have Kadabra on cards. Yeah, he claimed it was his likeness because of the whole spoon thing. And apparently, the Japanese name for it uses the word Gela. So, oh, he was yeah. claiming, you know, they're using their name. It probably was, you know, the, there's the two things that, that you know call you up on that. He's finally decided to release his uh, legal rights to that. Uh, and has apologized and said it's now up to Nintendo to start using Kadabra on their cards again. So, yeah, I thought that was funny. Honestly, it just screams of um, popular men from the 90s desperate for attention. But there you go. 
Uh, so with that, uh, let's talk about the things we've been playing this week. Okay, so I, I would have thought I, I would have had a chance to play more. So um, we talked before about how Liberated was getting a enhanced version that addresses some of the complaints that I had when I covered that originally. I'd lost track of the release date, saw that it had downloaded. It wasn't a proper preload before, but it seems that's triggered. So I was hoping to, to try some of that this weekend, but uh, no, it's not out yet. So I'll cover that next week. The other thing we're going to talk about then is uh, Age of Calamity. Uh, Hyrule Warriors. Uh, both myself and Tori have finished it. That's right, Tori. Yeah, the story at least. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and Andrew, your yours finally arrived, like Friday. Yeah, yesterday. So I've had it barely twenty four hours. Yeah, that sucks so much. Without spoilers, I'm just going to talk about a couple of things uh, that I I felt since finishing it. A couple of episodes back, we talked about how. You know, the little ways that we can ruin good games for ourselves by the way we have to approach it, just either the way because we're wired or by preference. Um, I was finding that a lot of the things that can kill modern open world games for me was killing it here. So we talked about the amount of side missions in Age of Calamity last week. Uh, My approach for most of it was I will do all these combat missions before I move on to the story missions, which, you know, it put me in good stead for the story missions. I was overleveled for pretty much all of them, but I got to the point towards the end of chapter 6, which is the penultimate chapter, where it was just throwing so many at me that it was starting to become a chore. Like, this is a complaint about how I approach these things rather than the game itself. I, I had to sort of just, you know, tell myself off and say, nope, focus on the things that you want to do and have fun with it and come back and mop that other stuff stuff up after. I, I'm kind of glad I did that and now I'm saving the extra stuff for my lunch breaks over the next uh, week or so. Uh, yeah, Tori, I think you arrived at a similar yeah, point with that. So the I've been thinking about it because... You've got the original Hyrule Warriors, how it was split into like adventure mode and story mode and, mm-hmm. and challenge mode. This is all basically just the one mode. It's all on the one map. So mm-hmm. that that sort of adventure challenge mode are turned into side missions. Yep. And in a way, so are the character upgrades. Mm-hmm. It's just the presentation has changed. That's all. And because of that presentation, it changes the way that you approach the game considerably. And I just find that kind of fascinating in its own way. Yeah, it does make it feel like a completely different structure, even though it's really not. It's pretty much the uh, same game just presented. Like, the, the, the pieces are put together differently. It, it definitely got overwhelming, though. Yeah, that, that was the point I got. Like, I, I did uh, the first mission in Chapter 6, and then 10 combat missions popped up after and i was just like uh yeah i don't i don't want to play it like this when you know the story stuff is more interesting and that's the, the stuff that i enjoy the most i think um, because about halfway through the game i think it's about chapter four or five you unlock a lot of new characters very quickly mm-hmm. and i obviously won't say who they are but there are quite a few grobu <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe DLC. <laughs> uh, but um, every time you unlock new characters, you get new um, character upgrade nodes, you get new training missions. You, mm-hmm. It just explodes in content 
Yeah, you get like four new characters in quick succession, don't you? And then it's just yeah. And I mean, I, I think you up you unlock them around the same time that I did because you were focusing on the side missions. Mm-hmm. But there are two sort of optional characters to unlock as well that have their own side missions to unlock them, and then side missions after you unlock them. Yep. And because it's all on that map, it, you just feel that compulsion to just complete everything. Um, I do appreciate the radar system, though, mm-hmm. where you can set the, the materials that you need to, to kind of... It'll ping certain missions to tell you these are the ones that you should do if you want this particular upgrade material. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's really handy, but... The annoying thing is, is that if one of the upgrade materials is you need to kill this mini bokoblins, it'll just highlight all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing that I found out, so now that I've beaten it, I still have the compulsion that I at least want to go through and do all the, you know, the active missions, the combat challenges yeah. and the divine beast missions. Like, I want to do those regardless. Um, and then I'm going to see what's left in terms of the, the passive stuff because uh, I'm suspecting I'll get a lot of those done anyway just by virtue of doing the, the challenge missions. Yeah, well, every time I do a mission, I upgrade everything that I can, unless there are, mm-hmm. like, very specific upgrades that I want. Like, um, mm-hmm. I had to hunt down to get Link's second uh, special gauge just because mm-hmm. he was the last one to get that gauge for me. <laughs> um, just because there were so many icons in the map, it was really hard to find you know, character-specific and feature-specific upgrades for people, which was also its own problem because there's no way to just sort them by list. Yeah. Um, the shops you can, that's it. Uh, actually, when you beat it, you can see all the missions in the list. No, I have that already, so maybe they patched oh, that do. in. You just have to keep yeah, maybe. hitting the right bumper. And it's Yeah, I defi- definitely didn't have that last week. Mm, they must have oh. patched that in then because, like, I, I found it immediately and then I, won- I remembered... You both mentioned that there wasn't a list of all the missions, which would have been nice. No, no, not, not the missions, the upgrades. Yeah, the, the no, upgrades are see. there too. Yeah, they're, really? they're all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found it today. Just keep scrolling to the right <laughs> on the world map. Yeah, yeah you, get, you can get a mission list, you get the side mission list, uh, which is all handily uh, split up into oh my you know, God. characters and all that. Cut, cut all of that out then. <laughs> um. I, I pretty much finished the game without that then. Yeah. That's incredible. I only just found it today after beating it, which is why I thought it was a, a you know, a, a reward for beating it. But I, yeah, see, I reckon they've patched it in because I'm pretty sure it wasn't there last week. Um, one gripe that I had on the last episode was that the um, Divine Beast missions, when you came back to... Um, replay like a mission with the Divine Beast. It was just the same map again. Mm-hmm. I was very happy to find that that they added a second map for each one. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> it's still not that interesting. No, they're still pretty throwaway. Um, I'm saving them as the last thing I do. They're very gimmicky. Um, uh, they're all right. I like the flying one the best. But, but yeah, the, you at least have some sort of agency about how you approach that. The rest are just funnel down a corridor. And kill everything. So, uh, without getting into spoiler territory on on the way the story worked out, uh, I loved it overall, but there were a couple of elements that sort of prevented it from being that Breath of the Wild prequel that it was billed as. 
and that I was hoping we would get. Um, we we discussed behind the scenes briefly. We might do a like a spoiler cast maybe in the new year once Andrew's had a chance to finish it. Uh, so that's an idea we can approach later. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a couple of elements that just really prevent it from being the thing it was billed for me, which was a, a bit disappointing. But even with that, like it ends really strong. I love the ending. But uh, yeah, just just a couple of components kind of ruined the story aspect for me yeah you had the same story it's hard getting into detail without spoiling anything i guess the the opening cutscene is very much a hint that it's faithful without being uh limited to the established mm-hmm. law of breath of the wild it's a get out of jail free card yeah and also some of the decisions that have had that negative impact for me on the story are there purely to serve like the gameplay as well. So they, they don't serve the story at all. It's just a, a mechanism to expand on the gameplay side of things. Yeah. Which, you know, in, in, on one hand, it's fun. You know, it's good. It's fun. It remains fun throughout and only keeps getting more fun. The, the one thing on that, actually, with gameplay, um, it seems that the gameplay choices that they've made in terms of setting and story are more about the characters that you play as rather than the world that you interact with, which I find a little mm-hmm. disappointing. It kind of pokes mm-hmm. holes in the original Breath of the Wild as well and just how limited how many enemy types there are. Uh, a lot of the bosses mm-hmm. in Age of Calamity are just Lionels and... Um, oh, what are they called? The big rock ones. Talus. Tell us, yeah. And the uh, Cyclops guy whose name escapes me, which I had vowed to remember before recording. Hinox, yeah. And you know what? That was the other thing uh, I hadn't considered was uh, Lionel's and Hinox's as, like, you know, organized members of uh, Calamity Ganon's army. Well, you look at the Hinox, they look kind of like giant Cyclops versions of um, Bokoblins. But yeah, I, in, in Breath of the Wild, I always thought of them as just like a force of nature. Yeah. Or, you know, like a creature that inhabits the world. I hadn't thought of them as being... Lionels in know. particular. Yeah, I hadn't thought of them as being part of the army. Do you get? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it feels like this would have been a good opportunity to kind of expand the world with... Like the original um, Hyrule Warriors had like Dodongo as a battle and... Was it the Imprisoned? I, I haven't played Skyward Sword, but it's that boss... Yeah, there's a huge variety, and they all play differently on how you have to beat them as well. Whereas all of these boss battles in Age of Calamity just feel like the same thing, but in a different order. Mm-hmm. Like they all use particular runes that they're weak to at particular moments. Sometimes it's the bomb, sometimes it's stasis, sometimes it's magnesis, so on. But in a way, you kind of fight them all the same way. Yeah, I know what you mean. But the original Breath of the Wild, like, thinking back on it, it's much the same. So I, I, I actually kind of came to the conclusion that this feels much more Breath of the Wild than it does Muso. Yeah, I agree with that. that and that was one of my, my points last week. I, I feel like uh, the com- the stuff that they've taken from Breath of the Wild in terms of the combat just feels... Like, just puts this far and away above the original Hyrule Warriors for me. Yeah. So I'm just conscious that me and you are taking most of the uh, oxygen on this chat. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> you've had a 24 hours at least with it. Uh, how are your, your first impressions going? 
My first impressions are pretty positive. Uh, I don't want to repeat too much of what has already been said, and I'm not all that far into it. I'm, I'm planning to take this pretty slow. I mm-hmm. I may not even finish this before December is over. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm in no rush to, to blow through this now that the moment has passed. Uh, but the thing that's really stood out the most to me in this is, is how differentiated the characters are we touched on this briefly in the last episode this was true of the original hyrule warriors as well as each character really is very different in its mechanics it's just the original hyrule warriors didn't do a very good job of teaching you what those mechanics are and in age of calamity like each character literally has a tutorial level that teaches you each character's mechanics which i really appreciate and some of the characters get pretty out there in their designs as far as Musou goes, like especially uh, Rivali, who has a ground move set, which is pretty limited, but then you press the right trigger and then he's flying and he has an entirely different move set and he moves completely differently that way as well, which is pretty exciting to see an idea that ambitious from, you know, a Musou game, <laughs> which are, are known for having two or three released in a year and they're all pretty much the same <laughs> I, I i wonder if that was nintendo's pressure on them to <laughs> do something uh, special and unique with this one and like zelda too i love playing a zelda i know andy does too uh where, like, if you look at a lot of her moves what they actually are are what like pro breath of the wild players do and then they share clips of themselves on twitter yeah of the things they do <laughs> like exploiting the physics engines like one of her finishing moves is to uh take one of the mine carts on death mountain and build up a bunch of stasis hits on it and then just slam it into an enemy as hard as they can which is something that people do to launch themselves in breath of the wild to make them travel really <laughs> far I-, I thought that was really clever how that was basically zelda's entire move set was exploiting the physics engine (laughs) (laughs) another thing hyrule warriors did that i'm kind of conflicted on how age of calamity is changing things on it is how the story mode has progressed through and i think it's what andy has experienced where he like he felt he had to break off from the side stuff just to finish the story Uh, Mm -hmm. it was a lot easier to do that in hyrule warriors because the story was the story and then everything else was in adventure mode and a challenge mode and a completely different menu which you probably didn't even look at until after you were done with the story and the story mainly focused on link uh age of calamity at least so far every level i've played has required me to use link but has also let me put a second character on the team of my choice i i've been playing mostly as urbosa because urbosa is awesome <laughs> and oh, yeah. so good. yeah uh, I love her special ability is she can charge up like this electric meter when she holds down her right trigger and that adds electric damage to all of her attacks that slowly drains down as she uses the ability and then also just doing her basic combos she can build that up as well but the reason I really loved her was I found out that her 4x combo can actually take down an enemy stagger meter in one go if you time it just right so I've been abusing the heck out of that because <laughs> the stagger meters have been the main difference I felt between Hyrule Warriors and this game, the stagger meters in the original, if you knew, knew what you're doing, once it appeared, you know, it was gone. Whereas in this one, I really feel like I'm having to work towards it. Uh, 
that's just the way the game where the game is at right now like we all have low level characters and Hyrule Warriors I think most people have their characters fairly high right now so they've kind of forgotten what it's like to be weak in a Warriors game and this is what that mm-hmm. feels like but once you do get your upgrades up you can take down those stagger meters a lot faster like I haven't seen it yet in Age of Calamity but in Hyrule Warriors there was literally a skill you could invest in that increased the damage you dealt to stagger meters so that also impacted how that felt a lot so I'm not totally on board with this idea out there that Age of Calamity's stagger meters are so much harder to get down it's just that it's a new game and we're all still at level 1 so we need to be patient uh, because I think after we've all finished the game, you know, we all get to chapter 6 and start doing all those side missions and get characters leveled up, and then once DLC comes out, which I'm sure this game is going to get DLC, and then we have more characters that are upgraded even higher, I think those stagger meters are just going to start falling down really fast once we know which combos are best to do that with. Yeah, the only time I had trouble with that at all was when I had a character I hadn't, you know, upgraded mm-hmm. the weapons. Yeah. Um, um, when, if you're playing as Link, I, I use Link a lot as my get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. Whenever yeah. I run into something that I don't know what it is, I switch to Link. Because Link, yeah. I know, has good weapons, and I know he's going to be fairly high level. Like, the first time I fought a Lionel, I was like, oh, let's get Link in here. <laughs> uh, once he gets the Master Sword, those, uh, the stagger meters are just <laughs> nothing at all. Um. <laughs> yeah, and like each ability, like I said... With Urbosa, I found her 4x combo was really good for taking out combo meters. Every character has at least one combo that's good for taking down the stagger meters. Link, I found his shield slide is excellent for taking down staggers. Uh, oh, you know what? I was I was going to talk about that. I hate that one of his his moves is the worst part of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> hate it. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I did it by accident the other day. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> you can even whip, bust out his bow and arrow and shoot at enemies while you're sliding, <laughs> I think. <laughs> no. um, one thing that I'll, I'll say that they've kind of mirrored from Breath of the Wild is the fact that Link might be the main character, but it's not a story about him. Well, it never is, all. but yeah. Link is always well, a supporting character in these stories. Generally, yeah, um, but it, it feels like he's barely in this one. Like they basically just turn him into a, a glutton. Like that's his defining trait in this game is that he eats like a, I don't know, I don't know what's a nice, like a Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> he loves spider eggs. <laughs> basically, it, this is Zelda's story. Again, mm-hmm. which is fine because um, they've done something very fascinating with Zelda, and I, I feel like that's not really spoiler territory. You all should have played Breath of the Wild by now. These are not spoilers anymore. <laughs> no, more more the AOC, Age yeah. Calamity part. She gets less fun to play as. Does she? Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's optional, so that's all right. You can always keep using the Sheikah Slate. It's no big deal. Yeah, you can switch back. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's on the cool. box so, it's not a spoiler <laughs> yeah yeah we danced around it a little bit but uh, yeah it's on the box so we'll uh, catch up with you next time to see how you're still going with it definitely want to do a spoiler cast on that because I, I think there are some interesting things at play in terms of its positioning as a prequel or as an official prequel because there's, there's you know there's some elements that 
that never came and I was waiting for them. And so we'll uh, we'll get into that later. The next and last thing we're going to talk about uh, is a game that I've had installed on my PC for six months now. Uh, Pillars of Eternity, which came out as a complete edition on uh, Switch. Was it earlier this year? Uh, What's time last year, I think it came out on Switch. Last year. Okay. It's been highly rated. It's uh, an Obsidian. Started off as like an Obsidian side project i definitely recommend uh, reading blood sweat and pixels about that as well um mm. some interesting stories i'm a D fan i've this and divinity uh two things i've been wanting to play forever i started divinity on ps4 but fell off and i've picked it up on pc again uh so sorry i'm just rambling now about fantasy games <laughs> pillars of eternity uh so have you beaten it now andrew well, let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> Pillars of Eternity is kind of a spiritual resurrection of 90s PC RPGs. You have, you know, like Baldur's Gate, Planescape Torment, Icewind Dale, those kinds of RPGs. They did a big Kickstarter for it that was pretty successful that got the game off the ground and then it released critical acclaim and it's since been ported to all the consoles. And... I wanted to start with this game before I got into Baldur's Gate and Planescape, which I I infamously bought last year brand new and then immediately got intimidated by them and got, was too intimidated to start them because I, I, I knew what kind of games they were and I didn't want to start in the deep end, basically. <laughs> so I, I thought Pillars of Eternity being a more recent game would have better tutorials and would be do a better job of easing me into mechanics of these kinds of RPGs, which I, I'm familiar with, but I've never actually played one. And I think it did do that, at least. Uh, but Pillars of Eternity is set in this land. Uh, it's called Durwood, I think. There's a lot of names thrown around. It's kind of a Witcher 3 situation, where Andy and I talked about that last year. We complimented on how it, it kind of just throws you into this really complicated political situation without explaining anything and expecting you uh, to latch on to everything. It's very similar to that. At least one of the locations in this game is called Durwood, and I'm just going to assume that's the entire region is called Durwood and move on from there. Uh, (laughs) Durwood has some issues going on. They are experiencing this, I don't want to call it a pandemic really, but that's kind of what it is. They are having a lot of children that are called hollowborn they're literally being born without souls and there are many different re- uh theories in game on why this happened and that's creating a lot of political turmoil and there are many people studying why this is happening and coming up with cures none of which work which is creating further issues that you also have to deal with and you're just thrown in the midst of this situation involving all these souls going wrong and ending up wherever it is they're ending up and at the start of the game your character is part of this caravan who's traveling through the region uh you can come up with your own reason for why they're there Uh, they could either be just passing through they could be coming back home they could be fleeing from troubles in their homeland whatever it's got one of those really complicated character building systems in it Mm -hmm. and they 
get chased by some bandits into a ruin, and then they witness these cultists doing something or other with a mysterious pillar, and then they pass out. And then when they wake up, they become this thing called Unawakened, which becomes aware of the souls that the, the life that their current soul has previously lived, and they can also sense the souls of other people around them, including the souls that their bodies have died and they're now just wandering around. This is a really complicated game. It's hard to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> These are all the things that you are immediately confronted with in the first 10 minutes of the game, and it's pretty overwhelming. That's one problem I had with the game, is it just throws all this stuff at you without really throwing... A villain for me to focus on so I, I kind of struggled to focus on the game for a while uh, I've been playing this on weekends just picking away at it most of my playtime was just out of a dogged desire to play the game because to be quite honest I wasn't particularly interested in anything that was happening because the game wasn't really giving me a reason to care about any of it but that's that's my issue maybe other people would be just fine to just wander around and just listen to stories of everything going on in Durwood. So without going any more into how detailed this world is, this is a port of a PC RPG, and the main issue with it that I think people are going to have is how does it adapt PC controls to a gamepad? And I didn't really have a problem with how it did that. I think it does a really good job of having a variety of controls available to the player, the default controls are you just move around with your joystick and the camera locks to you. If you want, you can unlock the camera and you can move it around yourself with the right joystick. And you can point and click where the character moves, which is how the game actually works on PC. And there are other movement options as well. You can zoom in and out with the D-pad. And all the character menus, which is the real problem with the PC RPG, is there are just dozens and dozens and dozens of menus are uh, put on radial menus which you can open with the left and right triggers you hold down the left trigger and then you just rotate around with your joystick and select the option you want you hit a you open it i thought that worked really well uh, there have been many console games in the past which have adapted pc the games designed to be played on pc in that way and they've been successful diablo 3 which andy just raved about last week does the same thing mm -hmm. still playing it love it <laughs> yeah and also, PC RPGs, it's really common for you to be able to just pause the game and just assess the tactical situation. Same thing on consoles, and the advantage that gives to consoles is it does let you pause the game so you can grapple with the slightly more ponderous control setup. Whereas with on a PC, you just you point and click, which is always going to be the advantage a PC has for these kind of games. The problem I did have that... I think the PC version has the huge advantage over the Switch version of this game is loading. There is so much <laughs> loading in this game, and the load the loading times are pretty long. 15 seconds on the short side, most areas going into a decent-sized area, 30 seconds to a minute of loading. And if you're just passing through an area, then you got to load. <laughs> and... Uh, the most egregious example I can give is you eventually inherit this fortress and you have an inn that you can stay there for free and it's the best place to stay if you want to save money and also get the best stat upgrades. If I wanted to stay at that fortress, I would have to go to the fortress loading screen. I would have to go inside the inn loading screen. I would have to go upstairs to where the bed is loading screen. I would have to stay in the bed and then I would have to go back outside loading screen 
back out to the fortress loading screen, then back out to the world map loading screen. <laughs> it was absolutely absurd and it made just any situation where I needed to break off from the game to go and stay at the inn to re restore my character stats just a moment I would dread. Uh, that's my would be my biggest complaint about the loading and uh, also when I got to the main town in the game it's called Defiance Bay uh, I felt like at that point with going in and out of houses and talking to people and just doing all the fetch quests that are just endemic to this kind of RPG I was spending more time on loading screens and playing the game and it just made the game really numbing and uninteresting to play which was also a, a big reason that I, I felt like I had to force myself to continue playing <laughs> Uh, but the bigger problem than the loading screen is this game is actually just a mess. It doesn't look like it at first. It seems to run great. But once you get deeper into the game, and I was seriously 40 hours in before I even realized this was happening, all the higher-end spells and abilities that you need to use in order to, to be enemies, it's just the way the game is designed. If you're not using these spells, you will not succeed. These spells do not work. Like one character, he's called a chanter. He has the ability to summon a pack of skeletons, which I did a few times, and I loved that ability. I thought it was great. It always turned the tide of the battle for me. After a while, that ability stopped working, and I thought, well, I know what kind of RPGs these are. Maybe this the spell is fizzling. That's an idea I've heard of before. I must just be doing something wrong, or I'm just not understanding the character right or something, and I just need to look up what... I've done wrong that's making the spell fizzle. And then after a while, my mage's fireball would just either not cast at all or it would cast. I would see it flicker and it would fly off screen somewhere, nowhere near where I targeted it. And after a while, I was like, these spells are not fizzling. They're just, they're bugged and they're not working correctly. <laughs> so the Switch version of this game, unfortunately, uh, I did some research and found out is fundamentally broken. And I wish I had known that before I bought this game and sunk 40 Fox. hours into it. At that point, I thought, well, maybe if I just drop it down to story difficulty, then I can just pile drive over whatever's left in the game without having to worry about the spells. When you drop the difficulty, it only drops the difficulty on future maps that you will go to, not on the maps you've already been to. So all the things that I just walked away from because I just couldn't beat them are going to be just as hard. So I, oh, I oh, just God. quit. I was like, oh, I want these 40 hours of my life back, please. <laughs> but I wanted to play this game more to prepare myself to play Baldur's Gate and Planescape. And though I had a really negative experience with it, I do feel ready to play those games now. So I'm going to play Planescape first early in 2021. I haven't planned out exactly when, but that's coming up on the schedule for me. Yeah, I'm... I had that thing where I started Baldur's Gate and realized it wasn't turn-based like I thought D&D mm -hmm. is turn-based. And then I was I was trying to play it on the Switch Lite and the text was tiny even at its biggest oh, size. No. And, and I was just like, you know what, uh, I can't do this. Oh, and the other factor was I was trying to play it in bed. Um, and this is a story and text-heavy game. <laughs> yeah, so is Pillars, yeah. <laughs> If you fall asleep while playing it, you're not going to know what the hell's going on. <laughs> so it was just a, a non-starter for me. And then I had that same thought of like, well, I'll pick up Pillars on PC while it's cheap and maybe start with that and, you know, try a modern one first and see if that's, that gets me in. Yeah, like Pillars um, has a great reputation on PC. Uh, 
I don't know how it is on PS4 and Xbox. It might be fine there too, but the Switch version is broken. It is unplayable on any difficulty higher than story. So be warned. Yeah. I kind of want to, like everyone says to avoid like Divinity and go straight to Divinity 2. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, not wired, I'm not wired that way. I have to play the first one. <laughs> I have Divinity 2 on Switch as well. It's like the number four rated game on Metacritic for Switch, so I'm, I'm not at all concerned about how it runs on Switch. Good. But I am... Good. And it's got cross-play with PC, apparently. Yeah, yeah, it has that too. And I'm kind of the same way as you, where I prefer to play the first game, but I'm kind of in a place where like I don't think... I have a computer that could even run the first one, and I don't know any other place to play the first one. So I'm like, okay, I'll just jump right into number two, whatever. It is on PS4 because that's where I started it. Mm, um, maybe I'll look into but that. Yeah, I, I, I don't don't think it particularly matters with this game. These games, I don't think they have a an overarching story particularly. Well, that's a shame. The uh, the Switch version is a bust because I you know I keep uh, looking out for it. Um, and on sales, but I think I'll, I'll just stick with the PC version now then, when I eventually get to it. Okay, I usually start this section by asking what we're playing in the coming week. Um, Andrew has single-handedly decided to try and play everything ever. <laughs> I'm not going um, to. I just Next week is hilarious, <laughs> and I just want to... <laughs> I just want to express the full hilarity of next week. Uh, I was going to say it might be easier for you to tell us what you're not playing, uh, and then we can figure out the rest from there. Uh, I'll start for a change. So I'm going to play Empire of Sin. I've been banging on for the last couple of weeks about how excited I am about that. Uh, I have no idea how this Switch port's going to turn I hope it's good. but <laughs> um, I have some Steam credit ready to roll just in case it's not a good port. Um, just putting that out there, but I have got the physical copy coming. You know, knowing the the developer, Brenda Romero, she's very well regarded. I'm I'm hopeful that's indicative of a, a good product on Switch. But yeah. we'll, we'll see how that goes. And they they didn't delay the Switch version, which is usually a sign that the Switch version should be avoided. It's releasing day and date with the other platforms so mm-hmm. I, I think it will be playable certainly it's not going to be technically the best version of the game like we don't even need to say that but no it if, if it compares to how they handle xcom 2 absolutely fine great mm-hmm. um yeah uh so yeah and also fire emblem shadow of the dragon and the blade of light which is the original nez fire emblem finally translated for the west yeah absolutely looking forward to that that's definitely going on my switch light and will take over from Diablo for me for a while. Um, and I'm also going to check out Liberated Enhanced Edition, because I think that finally comes out next week. Uh, I'm not committing to replaying it or to finishing it. I just want to jump in and see like how much they've improved and whether it's more fun to play. Uh, I do believe there's two new chapters. I might not get to see those unless I can import my save somehow, but I'm, I'm not thinking that's going to be likely. Uh, yeah, yeah, depends on how much they've improved it because like some of my problems with that game, like weren't exactly things I thought they would fix anyway. So we'll, we'll, I'll take a look and I'll, I'll see. I'll report back. Some of the things you described uh, as problems with that game, I haven't played it. I'm just going off what you described over the summer. Didn't sound like things in Enhanced Edition are going to fix. It, it sounded like things that were no. fundamental design issues. So I, I don't know. Yeah. 
the the two new chapters could change like one of my major complaints which was that that you know they they set up this big them versus us political thing and then just didn't pick a side and you know it, it bounced between the sides there's, there was a big thing where it was never it never felt like it was resolved so yeah we'll we'll see uh, i'll i'll give it a look i'll give it a cursory glance at least and you know hey it could be great maybe i'll want to play it again uh tori yes uh, well, now that I know how easy it is to track the side quests in Ancient Calamity, I'm going to f- <laughs> focus a bit more on that. I just saw that they're um, split by level ranges. so Yeah, and if you go one more menu over than that, then it's also divided by characters just for the turn-in quests. That's so good. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was there the whole time and I missed it. Either way, I'm glad it's there. It's been there since at least Friday, My since at least <laughs> yesterday. Cause, uh, there was a... I think there was a 1.01 patch recently, so mm. that'll probably be my main focus. But Fire Emblem, NES games, eh, I think this is more for the novelty rather than wanting to. <laughs> um, I'm I'm interested, but like NES games, and I grew up with NES games as well. They're, they're just a different breed. Um, and I want to try um, The World Ends With You on the Switch Lite to ho- hopefully see if the, the um, touchscreen on that, like on a handheld-only thing that's a bit more comfortable in my hands, if that'll help. Um, yep. But I've also been thinking of just revisiting the Metroid games. Uh, and Andrew, what are you playing from the, the Vastana <laughs> that's coming out next week? Well, this is everything coming out next week that I want to play. <clears throat> I'm obviously not going to have time to play all this, let alone the money to afford all of this, but uh, time permitting and money permitting, I would absolutely buy every single one of these games and talk about them next week. <laughs> December 1st is Empire Sin is coming out. I will be playing that one. Uh, December 2nd, Sam and Max Hit the Road, which was Sam and Max's big comeback game, is getting an HD update, and I would like to play that, but I'm not going to right away. Sheeran the Wanderer, the Tower of Fortune, and the Dice of Fate is a permadeath dungeon crawler, sort of in the mystery dungeon style. Uh, actually, if you really want to go back, this is what a roguelike actually is. This is what rogue was actually like. Uh, it was a cult success on the Vita. It's kind of a 16-bit graphic retro-style game. It looks really cool, but I won't be getting it, but I would like to someday. <laughs> Uh, December 3rd, Immortals Phoenix Rising, which is the last big game of the year that I'm really looking at. I've got high hopes for this one. I will be getting and I will be playing this one extensively next week. And then December 4th, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light. I'm going to get and play that because Andy and Tori are both getting it, so may as well make it a hat trick for the episode. And also John Wick Hex, the port of that for Switch, is coming out on the 4th as well. I would like to play that, but I'm not going to. I'll wait for a good sale on it. Next week is ridiculous. There's so much great stuff coming out. Yeah, just in time for uh, holidays, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think next week happened because they got to get those games out in time for the Christmas release season, but they also needed time to work on them for coronavirus-related reasons, and like next week is their last chance to get things out there Uh so parents can buy them for their kids for Christmas. I think that's exactly what happened. Mm. Thanks for listening to this episode of Enfocus. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. Uh, you can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and The Power of X. That's for PlayStation and Xbox if you haven't figured it out. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. All the links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew, which you can follow at PlayCritically on Twitter, as well as our lovely host Andy at Flame Roast Toast. That was way more rhyming than I intended. And myself at Stew2, that's S-T-W-T-W-O.